Today's episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Today's episode is brought to you by Fox and Stallion. Fox and Stallion is a Victorian mystery comedy fiction podcast about the best detective team on Baker Street. No, not that one. Season 2 will be airing in 2024 and is currently crowdfunding through May 1st. They have stickers, personalized in-universe thank you letters with wax seal, calligraphy, and all of it, and even a tier where they solve a mystery that you send them. They do want me to note Fox and Stallion cannot guarantee the solving of any mysteries, but they will try their absolute hardest for three to five audio minutes. This show also has everything you could want. Jewel heists, asexual detectives, lavender marriages, and a really old cat. You can find and listen to Fox and Stallion anywhere you listen to podcasts or on their website, 224bbaker.com. That's 224bbaker.com. Hello, this is Jeffrey. And this is Eleanor. Have you visited our website recently? It's unwellpodcast.com. I wanted to remind you that that is the hub that we use to collect all things unwell in one place. We have transcripts to every episode in case you want to read along or double-check something you heard. There's info about our cast and crew. You can also find information about how to support us on Patreon. And, if you want, you can check out our awesome merch store. You can also find links to our advertisers. As an independently produced show, we really rely on our listeners, like you, to help us succeed. So whether that's supporting us on Patreon, simply telling a friend about the show, your support really makes this all possible. So check out our website, see all the things we've got to offer there. One more time, that's unwellpodcast.com. Well, well. Theodore Wesley, I thought that might be you. Good morning to you, young man. Good morning, Silas. Reverend Lodge would be more respectful. It would. But we both know that you're no more a reverend than I'm a young man. (sighs) The pup's found his bark since we last met. Have the fangs come in as well, I wonder? I don't believe I know this place. Where are we? There used to be a house here. A house... Ah, yes, I understand. The house that once belonged to the child whose body you're wearing right now. You can't help yourself, can you? You return here time and again to run your fingers through the ashes, to try to feel the thorns prick of a life you never in fact lived. If you say so, Silas. I might have imagined I'd find you someplace like this. You were looking for me? Indeed, young man. I felt that you and I should speak. And what if I have nothing to say to you? Then you'll listen. Maybe I don't want to listen to anything you have to say either. 
Then I suppose all that's left is to kill one another. If we won't have each other's ears, we'll have each other's throats, hmm? And why not? Dawn is traditional, but I myself have never felt the need for violence at such an hour. You hear the birds in the distance? Yes. Are they yours? I don't own the birds, Silas. Don't be impertinent. You know what I'm asking you. Yes. And no. Not those birds. Merely nature, then. That's appropriate. It's called a dawn chorus. A moment in the morning for these poor prey animals to announce to each other that they've survived another cold night among their predators. Quite sad if one knows to listen. Imagine hearing a loved one's voice day after day across the wind, then one morning not to hear it at all. A tragedy with no translation. One should be humble in the face of it. I'm not here to fight you, Silas. Then we were agreed, and so much the better. Should we retire to some place with more shelter? The rain's not bothering me. Nor I. I was speaking to decorum, not to comfort. Anything we have to say to each other, the rain can hear too. Very well, young man. But walk with me at least. Are you awake? Yeah, for a little while now. Did you sleep all right? Eventually. Once the raindrops found a rhythm, you, on the other hand, went down pretty hard. (sighs) Yesterday was exhausting. I appreciated the help. You didn't have to. Hey, I care about that record store downstairs, too. I don't mind dragging a few sandbags around to keep the water out. You didn't have to stay, though. I would have been fine. (laughs) What? You think I was staying for you? (laughs) Come here. This is nice. This is one of my favorite things. Lying in bed with someone you love, listening to the rain. Top ten. Hmm? Maybe top three. We've never done this before. I know. So you're talking about someone else? No, I'm talking about the activity. An activity you did with someone else. Are you really going to do this? I'm just saying. How about this, Judy Green Eyes? This was good before you. It's perfect now. Understand? How many times before me? Understand? Yes. I'm sorry. I don't know why I did that. You don't know how to trust a moment like this. You get suspicious when you're happy. Tell me I'm wrong. You're not. Of course I'm not. So, hear what I'm saying to you. You and me, this moment, right now, lying in bed in each other's arms, listening to the rain, this is perfect. Let it be perfect, Lily. Okay. Except for the part where the rain is being caused by an angry ghost. And there it goes. A cup of coffee would also be nice. You got it. Order up one hot cup of joe for the lady on the left side of the bed. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Anything else I can get you, hon? Scrambled eggs, English muffin, veggie skillet. Come back, Marisol. (laughs) Nah, I could use a cup too. Come on.
You heard that, right? Is that music? I think someone's using my stereo. Right now? Lily, could you please reach into the top drawer of my nightstand and hand me the mallet? A mallet? You keep a mallet in here? This is a meat tenderizer. I keep all the good tools in the workshop. But a meat tenderizer? Would you rather I keep a gun in there? Meat tenderizer it is. Why would someone break into your store at six in the morning to use your stereo? I don't know. Why does anything happen in Mount Absalom anymore? Why is this so blasted impossible? Laura? Ah. Hello, Marisol. Lily, good morning. I'm sorry for waking you. It was unintended. We were awake. What are you doing with my stereo? Stereo? That's what this is called? As in a stereoscope? How curious. What's a stereoscope? A visual device. Two separate lenses positioned over related photographs to simulate the perception of depth. Have you truly never seen one? It's quite marvelous. I gained much insight from the technique while designing my telescope. I don't understand the conversation we're having right now. Nora, what are you even doing here? I needed to speak with you. With me or with Lily? With you. And might I say, I rather wish the two of you had told me that you planned to stay here last night. First of all, it wasn't planned. And second of all, I don't believe we have to check in with you about where we end up sleeping. I apologize. I misspoke. When it occurred to me that I needed to speak with Marisol, I was annoyed not to find you at Fenwood. And I had been very patient up until that moment. What do you mean, patient? I mean that the thought I had occurred to me in the middle of the night. I believed I had shown a great deal of restraint in not entering Lily's room and waking you up. Be kind to them, Nora, I said to myself. They need their rest. Or perhaps they are within an intimate moment. It would be impolite to interrupt. But eventually you gave up, you looked inside. I may have used one of Dot's lesser epithets. And you decided to come over here to find us. It was the next logical choice. So, you let yourself into the store and decided to fiddle with my stereo, but you didn't want to wake us up because that would have been rude. I don't know, Nora. Partial credit. I can't surely be expected to adhere to every living social custom. It defeats the only benefit of existing in this manner. (sighs) Okay. You said you needed to talk with me? Yes. I'm planning to run an experiment. Rather, I'm planning to rerun an experiment. And I wanted to discuss it with you. But why me? Because I can't discuss it with Rudy. I'm sorry, Nora. I know you aren't an astronomer the same way he was, Marisol. But he always spoke so highly of your enthusiasm. He used to say that in its way it counted for a great deal more than simple expertise. I'm... Thank you for telling me that. All right. However, I'm able to help you. Although I really am going to need that cup of coffee. I've got it. May I watch? That was another of your devices that perplexed me. Wait. How did we get here? The woods. They weren't anywhere near us. What did you do? It's not difficult, young man. I wished to be here. I went. I presume it's much the same when you travel. But I wasn't thinking about the woods. I invited you, in a way, and you accepted, in a way. 
Can I leave? If you so choose. I'd prefer if you didn't, but I understand why you might. Hmm. Disappointing. Ah, I thought you'd left for good. I needed to believe you. That pains me. In all the time I've been here, I have never once deceived any of you. You know that's true. I... do. I was surprised, is all. I might have prepared you better for the transition, I admit. Not just that. I'm also surprised you brought us here to the edge of town. Because I spent so many years unable to move beyond it. Yes. Why should I hold animus towards the woods for that? Trees know nothing of boundaries or barriers. That role is assigned to them by fearful men. Today, I am free to travel where I please, and it pleases me today to wander the woods. They've angered him, you know. The one who blooms? Their various transgressions have exhausted his patience, and now in place of his patience, there is only me. What does he want from us? Us? You and I? No, us. The people of Mount Absalom. Now that's a curious distinction. I'm one of them, Silas. You're much more one of me than you've ever been one of them. We're not the same. Tell yourself whatever story you like, young man. A tree may allow itself to forget its own forest. What does he want with us? Do you know? Of course I do. Then he speaks with you? In a manner. And what do you want, Silas? What? What do you want from us? Nothing. I'm here but to enact his intent. When I first appeared, all I wanted to do was be of help to Dot Harper. That's not all of who I am anymore. I made music. I made friends. I caught up with all the episodes of Detective Pharaoh I missed. So what would you want if it was entirely up to you? Listen, then. There once was a trout who lived in the river who had a hook stuck in his side. Each morning, he would swim up and down the edges of the bank, speaking to the other fish about the day he'd first suffered his injury. They would say to him, Wait. What? I wasn't asking you to share something from your library of fables. It was a straightforward question, Silas. What do you want? It's unwise, young man. What do you want, Silas? It's unwise to interrupt a teacher while he's imparting a lesson. I see now. I attempted to watch Abby do this once, but they gave me the most withering of glares. It is like the process for tea, but unnecessarily mechanized. It's 100% necessary. You can't do this without the machinery first thing after you wake up. You need a cup to function, but you can barely function until you've had a cup. What a frustrating way to live. Caffeine addict's dilemma. What can I tell you? Did you do this every morning? Nora, you said you had something you needed to discuss. Something about rerunning an experiment. I was waiting until Marisol's coffee was ready. Go ahead and start. I'll catch up as it kicks in. Very well. You may recall some months back that Dr. Peltham suffered a concussion. I remember that. Fell off the telescope stairs and cracked his skull on the floor. Did he ever tell you how that happened? He said he took a bad step. That was very kind, but untrue. I nearly killed him. You what? I directed Dr. Peltham to recreate the conditions of the day I died without telling him that's what I was doing. Which were what, exactly? Nothing extraordinary. 
I'd been using my telescope to view the star cluster at Omega Centauri. And then I died. Then what happened to Rudy? He was struck by some kind of force. It threw him from the stairs and caused his concussion. Are you saying the telescope attacked him? It was not the telescope. It was something else. He described it as a bolt of lightning from the Earth. Since his death, I have wondered if it might be something else entirely. It is a curious thing to mourn someone's passing when you yourself are dead. You do not sleep, so you use the time instead to remember and contemplate the person you knew. I suppose that residing in his former room might also be a factor. And the conversations I'd had with your mother about him. Mom's been talking about Rudy? Briefly. She misses him. It seems we all do in our own manners. Three nights ago, I found myself fixated on how energetic he was. How he would ricochet from table to table while we'd worked. The night after that, I was remembering the moments of melancholy when he didn't think I was watching him. And then last night... Last night, I said aloud to myself, Dr. Peltham had a poetry to him. Do you know what I mean by that? Hmm. He did have a flair for the dramatic. Yes, quite so. And the romantic. And the poetic. I'd forgotten how important poetry can be to astronomy. I'd forgotten how much I'd felt similarly in my own lifetime. Until he'd reminded me. He told me once about this store of yours, Marisol, how you had named it. He said that a long time ago, we'd sent a golden record of our sounds to the stars. The Traveler, he said it was called. Voyager. Yes, that was it. I asked Rudy why anyone would bother to do such a thing. Because maybe somebody out there would hear us. I told him it was preposterous. How could we expect life on the other side of the universe to know what a record was and how to play it? There were instructions. I was a human being living on this planet a mere century ago, and I had enough trouble figuring out your stereo and your coffee machine. Which is no longer dripping, by the way. Oh, that's normal. Thank you. Nora, you're not wrong. You think about the chance that there's anyone out there at all, and the chance that we send the Voyager in the right direction to find them, and the chance that they catch and open the probe instead of just blowing it to smithereens, and then the chance that they'll figure out how to make it work the way we intended? That's a billion to one shot in the dark. Literally. You're cute when you dad joke. But, Nora, for me it was never about whether or not Voyager would be successful with that. You were inspired by the attempt alone. On the money. So was Dr. Peltham. He wasn't just studying the sky, he was searching it from any angle he could find on the limited surface of our planet. I didn't recognize it within him until very late in our friendship. And by then, he was following a path of his own. But so was I. Still, I might have done more to bring him back to us. There were methods I might have employed. Have either of you heard the tale of the Saptarshi? No. What's a Saptarshi? It was a legend my mother once told me, after she came to accept that I had become enamored of the stars. She pointed into the sky at Ursa Major. You know Ursa Major. Sure. It's the one that's either a bear or a soup ladle. In the older Hindu texts, the seven stars of Ursa Major represent seven sages, the Saptarshi. And these sages each had a beautiful wife by their side. They were so beautiful that the fire god, Agni, wished to seduce each of them. Typical ancient god, can't keep it in his pants. But then there is the complication. 
Another goddess, who wished to be the consort of Agni, had the clever idea to disguise herself as each one of the sages' wives. She seduced Agni by allowing him to believe he had seduced each of them. Ooh, this is spicy, Nora. Your mom used to tell you this as a bedtime story? The English were Victorians. My mother was not. She and Dot would have gotten along like gangbusters. Wait, wait, I know how these stories end up. What happened to the wives? As you've surmised, the sages heard that their wives had slept with Agni. They refused to hear their denials. They divorced them, and the wives drifted away to become the Pleiades. I never told Rudy that story. I wish I had. He enjoyed the stories within the stars as much as he enjoyed the science of them. He remembered that before we had the science to know the stars, all we had to explain them was stories. How so many of those stories were about the desire to connect, the torment of disconnections. That's the part of him I most wish I could speak with right now. There's something I failed to grasp about the force that killed me. I need to go back to the observatory to rerun the experiment. I would like you to come with me, Marisol. You want me to go to the observatory with you and get hit with a bolt of lightning? No, of course not. Good. My insurance wouldn't cover that. I'll stand at the telescope. I'll perform the experiment. Whatever happens next, I expect you will see it as Rudy might have. So you'll get hit with the bolt of lightning instead. You can understand why we're not exactly okay with that. I very much doubt it could kill me again. No, but it might do something else. Then we will have new data to work with. And I trust you will know how to express that data to others with Dr. Peltham's same sense of wonder and poetry. Please, Marisol. All right. When? Soon, I would say. I don't know when these clouds are going to move. That's right. You've never used my telescope. The clouds will not be a problem. What I want? Yes. Talk to me. Why should I want anything? I've already been given the gift of purpose. I am his righteousness and determination. I am his punishment for the sins of this town. And which sins are those, Silas? Those most unforgivable. Then name them. Unnecessary. You don't even know what they are, do you? You've forgotten. Or you were never told. The one who blooms feels the whole of his rage, and all you know how to do is punish. Why even appear as a man at all? I am the emissary of the one- You're a memory. You're a memory of someone who died a long time ago that refuses to fade away. It doesn't have to be like this. The town could welcome you, Silas. In spite of everything, I believe Mount Absalom would embrace you if you let it. Like it's embraced me. Embraced you? Embraced you? <laughs> Don't be a fool. These people may treat you with their false courtesy, but they will never accept you. You are an oddity, and always will be. They will grow restless with your presence, and that restlessness will turn to fear until one day they will banish you to the edges of the wood as well. And we shall see then how much of your demeanor remains. You're trying to turn me against them. I am warning you that they will turn against you long before you think to do the same. You would be wiser not to ask for their embrace at all. It's all right, Silas. I think I finally see who you are. 
This vanished husk of your house again. I invited you. You accepted. You're a quick learner, young man. I had one more question for you. If you must. You told me that you felt you and I should speak. Yes. You told me you didn't know this place. I didn't. You said you had a question. Then why did you come here to find me instead of going to Fenwood House? I... don't know. It's because you knew I'd be here. Because it was me who thought we should talk. So you came. What presumption? I serve the one who blooms. I will not be summoned by some mere wisp of a child. I never said I summoned you. I said that I thought we should talk, and you heard me. I told you, Silas. I'm not a young man. You should stop thinking of me that way. I already have. Very well. A mistake I won't make again. I'll take my leave of you, Theodore Wesley. Until next time, Silas. Yes. Until then. This episode features Mark Soloff as Silas, Michael Turrentine as Wes, Clarissa Cherie Rios as Lily, Amelia Bethel as Marisol, Anuja Vetia as Nora. Written by Bilal Dardai. Sound design by Alexander Danner. Directed by Jeffrey Nils Gardner. Music composed by Stephen Poon. Assistant Director, Lauren Grace Thompson. Recording Engineer, Mel Reuter. Associate Producer, Ani Engdahl. Unwell Lead Sound Designer, Eli Hamada McElveen. Producer, Haiti Souffrant. Executive Producers, Eleanor Hyde and Jeffrey Nils Gardner. By Heartlife NFP. And a special thanks to our supporting producers from Patreon. Alexi Feller, Sunny D. Anomaly, Megan McLean, Nick Keenan, Caitlin White, and Calico Davis. Heartlife wishes to acknowledge that the land where we live, work, and tell our stories is occupied land. Unwell takes place in southern Ohio, which is the territory of the Miami people. Unwell is produced in Chicago, Illinois, which is the territory of the Peoria, the Potawatomi, and the Miami peoples. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. In the year 1889, there was nowhere in the world more exciting than London, England. Three cheers for Inspector Lestrade and the bad boys of Baker Street themselves, Sherlock Holmes and Dr. John Watson! Solved! By Sherlock Bloody Holmes of 221 B Baker Street. Well, with any luck, we'll get a new brutal murder any day now. 
God, I wish. It's truly shocking you haven't solved anything in five years. The boys are both out of town for some case about a dog in Dartmoor this weekend. Sincerely, Martha Hudson. London's number two detective team just became number one. Fox and Stallion. Find us on Twitter, Instagram and Tumblr at 224BBaker or on our website 224BBaker.com. It's like they say, big breaks are 90% luck. What's the other 10%? Luck.